Welcome to the Human Centered Leadership Podcast with me, your host, Kulmahe. I have worked in the leadership space for three decades, and now I work with organizations and leaders to develop powerful cultures of high value and performance that is built all around their people. We will interview leaders from around the world and at the very top end of their game to explore what emotional intelligence in practice actually looks like and the benefits that it could bring to any team. This is a movement to transform the way that we see leadership and to create powerful cultures where people feel seen, heard, valued and appreciated and consequently perform to the very best. Why don't you join the movement and subscribe to our podcast and don't forget to click on notifications to stay up to date with all new content. Welcome to another episode of this program and I have another incredible guest here with me today. You know, I'm constantly scouring the world for the very best of leaders who can talk on this subject of human-centered leadership something that's a real passion of mine. And when we bring about change in organizations, we're living through some really incredible times, I think, over the, certainly over the last couple of years since the pandemic and everything else that's happened as a result and since then. And I think, you know, the world is crying out for a different kind of leadership, a different kind of culture within organizations, within societies. So today's guest understands all of that. Uh, Andrew Stotterbooks uh, has got a lifetime of experience in learning and development, leadership development, and currently is vice president of Etihad. Etihad, if for those of you who haven't traveled, I've traveled on Etihad. It is one of the best airlines out there, really. Is. I, I, I feel special, Andrew. When I go on Etihad, I feel special. The staff are amazing. The planes just feel that bit better. Uh, it's an experience when you go on Etihad and you have the uh, you have the incredible task, really, of being vice president of learning and development at Etihad. So I guess this experience that customers have when they experience when they, when they interact with Etihad is something at the forefront of your training and your all your strategies that you set. Would that be right? It would. It, it, you know, for us, it's about keeping it human. We talk a lot, a lot about being, you know, thoughtful. We talk a lot about being caring. We talk a lot about being human. And I think that's that's very important. We work in quite a regulated industry, as you can imagine. Uh, and mm. safety and, and being the safest airline in the world is, is, is very important to us. We're very privileged that we work for such an amazing organization and based out of Abu Dhabi, um, which is an, just an incredible place to be kind of part of. At the, at the same time, it's very much around trying to, you know, you've got the technology, you've got the, you know, we have the, we fly the latest um, aeroplanes, the most, you know, sustainably friendly aeroplanes. Uh, we have a very clear mission, vision um, to, to kind of to show the world how incredible Abu Dhabi is. But a lot of that is still remains. It's still at the end of the day, at the real kind of like sharp pointy end. It's still a, a guest interacting with a with one of our incredible team members. So I think that's um, that's really, really important. And the more clarity that we can give those individuals, the easier it becomes for them to be able to um, be human at work and, you know, and, and interact with the guests and make the guests feel um, like they're the only person on the planet, really. So, yeah, it's a, it's a nice compliment. Thank you very much. We try very hard um, to look after our guests. I love the fact that you talk about uh, it all being about being human. What does being human mean to you? I suppose it's about being authentic. There's a, there's a huge difference between you know human doing and human being, and I, and I know probably human doing isn't a word, but but you know human doing is really 
the, the technical side of our job, what we actually do day to day. And I think sometimes yeah. people get confused with that. So within it, with a, a, a you know a sector like aviation, the airline industry, it's obviously and rightfully so, it's completely full of compliance and regulation, and and, and, and that's that's make us the safest airline in the world, which is 100% correct. Yeah. The other side of that is mixing that, that that incredible product and that incredible safety, but actually bringing in that kind of human side of it. So it's, it's the emotional side of it. It's the way that we connect with people. So we know that human beings need uh, four things from us. They need to be, I think fundamentally, they need to be respected. They need to feel that they're being heard. Um, they need to feel that they're being acknowledged and they definitely need to feel that they're being remembered. I would almost go back to saying that if we can remember the guest, it's, it's, it's amazing. And definitely within the way that our world works is that we often, if you look, look at our guest service agents and the guys who are obviously the cabin cabin crew, um, the team on, in, on the flight deck, those guys are in a fairly unique position for, for a couple of reasons. First of all, they do it every day. That's, that's, that's the first thing. Most of the guests that they're coming into contact with, perhaps it's quite a unique experience for them. Um, there are a few exceptions to that. You know, I, I, I travel quite, quite frequently myself, but, but many of the guests don't really travel that frequently, maybe once a year, maybe twice a year. So they're kind of quite familiar with the processes. And there's an opportunity. I mean, I think one of the magic things that we can do is we can, what I would say, anticipate need. So being able to almost predict what a what a guest, what a customer needs from us is, is, is amazing. Yeah. And just keeping it really, really human. So just it's this it's honestly it's just simple things. And of course, you know, there's a great Coveyism or Coveyism, depending on how you pronounce your surname. But you know, for me, fundamentally, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I love that. Yeah. If you lead with care, it's amazing you can just get away with so much more really and i think people are more open to if you if you then if you then make a mistake i mean gosh um nobody makes mistakes more than i do but if you make it if you make a mistake i think people are a bit more forgiving of you so if you're if you genuinely come to interactions with a, a, a genuine authentic sense that you want to really help and you, you genuinely care about somebody it's it's amazing. and i would i would go further than that because there is actually a it's a bit like a, a recipe. And I often talk about people say, obviously, you know, we, they, obviously there's, there's a, the highfalutin terminology of, um, you know, um, neuro-linguistic programming. I'm sure your, your listeners, I'm sure you're familiar with the, the concept of NLP. But in, in, the simplest, uh, in the simplest form, NLP really is just following a recipe. And, you know, so if you can actually, if you, if you think about how you bake a cake, um, you might um, take a recipe off the, um, off the, you know, off the World Wide Web, um, and you might then go and buy the ingredients. You might even watch a, a famous chef like Jamie or, you know, someone, someone who's, who's, who's done this quite regularly. And they, <coughs> they bake the cake and you kind of watch them step by step. And the reality, if you actually follow a really good recipe and you have the right ingredients and the right equipment, actually, you can probably get within a, a pretty close to a world class cake, pretty close to a world class chef. And I would then argue if you, if you repeated that recipe continuously, what you'll actually find is that over time, you may even get better than the world-class chef. If you, if you did that recipe time and time and time again, you might actually bring in some of your own kind of personality into the cake. Um, it would probably be a pretty amazing product. So actually, we I think starting with, you know, get, getting some basic recipe on what it means to be human, giving some clarity around what it means to be human, and then asking the team to follow it. Not in a necessarily a robotic approach. I worked for, for Starbucks. I was head of learning for Starbucks for a number of years. And it was interesting. We had a very 
um, quite a very, you know, very strong kind of like process points of service uh, when, we're, when, we're, when we're trying to help our, our team members, our baristas, our, you know, our sort of service assistants actually work with, with our guests, with our customers. And you can get to a point where you can actually be quite regimented with your, the way you approach the guest. And I, I would suggest that it's almost a case of sort of dialing it back. Sometimes if you're, if you're really trying to create that, that, that interaction, it has to be authentic. It has to be real. It has to be human. And, and it, as I said, it's back to those those simple things. People need to be respected. They need to be remembered. They need to be heard. Um, they need to be acknowledged. You can do those things and by following a, a recipe, by by working around a, a very loose kind of recipe on how you might go about doing that uh, and giving people people some tools around that. Um, it's, it can be quite transformational. I think that's incredible what you've just said there. Um, I'm, I just want to try and unpick some of that, uh, really, because there's some so many truth bombs within there, so much depth within there, and a lot of wisdom within there, to be quite un- uh, honest, Andrew. Uh, so, you know, you, you talk about, you know, people just want to be seen and heard and uh, and appreciated. I often talk about, you know, I think the, the four tenants for people and talent in organizations to feel that they belong is that they are seen, heard, valued and appreciated. And uh, we often talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And I think the one thing that's happened, you know, over the last couple of years is that wherever we sat on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, 2020, when the pandemic came along, put everyone right back down to the bottom tier of food, water, safety, security. So the most basic physiological needs. And I think a lot of us are still there. So there was a recalibration of priorities within people's mindsets. And when they're looking to the organization or the team that they want to work in, they want to feel safe. They want to feel psychologically safe. And this is a new terminology that's, you know, a lot of people are talking about right now. What does it mean to be psychologically safe? And I think uh, everything that you've talked about there, being human, is at the heart of it all. Traditionally, I don't think organizations focus so much on their leadership and their 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 psyche being about being human, you know, centered around the humanness of it all. And I think, you know, certainly with everything that you've described, both in Starbucks and in Etihad, I'd like to think that many, many other organizations are taking some lessons from that and saying, hey, do you know what? Maybe this is the future. Maybe this is the fifth industrial revolution that we very often talk about, you know, the, the, the meeting of minds, um, and machines and people. How, what does that look like going forward? So I think, I think you're so, so right. I think you've hit the nail on the head, really, around the humanness of it all. But in order for us to be human, I think there's a couple of things that need to come about. And one of those is about having a, a strong ability to build trust and to build relationships. Now, whether that's inside the organization or externally focused to other stakeholders, maybe clients and customers of the organization, relationship building skills uh, are critical. And that's sort of what I do when I look at culture change in organizations and, and, and do leadership development is how do we build true, honest, deep relationships that are uh, have a foundation of trust? What sort of work have you been involved in, either in Etihad, Starbucks or elsewhere? I mean, you've worked all over the place. What sort of uh, tips, techniques uh, would you suggest or have you seen what strategies could be followed to build build that, I'll give you two brilliant recipes. Um, I, one of the the provenance of one of them, um, I'm slightly embarrassed to admit. <laughs> uh, let's come let, let's come to that in a couple of seconds. But it's a, unfortunately that that particular recipe 
Uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge believer in following recipes. Mo- and I, it sounds really crazy because if you were watching if you're watching me execute a recipe, you wouldn't necessarily know. Whenever I, and whenever I kind of like, when I then sort of divulge the recipe, I always feel a little bit like a fraud, um, Carl. <laughs> I, I genuinely do. You and me both. Because people go, oh, you know, I've been, I've been kind of like conned, I've been conned, I've been tricked by, um, by a, a very, you know, a very polished um, kind of trickster um, when, I'm, when I'm building relationships with people. But there's, 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 there's two things. And I think my dad also is... Um, you know, God rest his soul, he's not, not with us any longer. My dad taught me a lot of things and, and definitely those those kind of four human needs. My dad was really kind of like big on that. But I, I would say it's really, really simple. So there's there's kind of five things that we all need to really focus on as humans. If you really want to interact really rapidly with another human, uh, first recipe, uh, five things, really simple. And I always hold up my hand because I think it's really important that we kind of focus on those, those sort of five things. First one is it's don't underestimate the power of um, eye contact and smiling. Yes, I, I work in a culture where perhaps people might say, oh, you know, eye contact. Oh, you know, we should be doing eye contact. But, you know, again, if you go back to my earlier comments around caring, I think people kind of move on from that. And I can tell lots of stories about that. Maybe I might even um, divulge a couple in a second. But the, the, so really good eye contact and really good smiling is, is excellent. So I like, a, I have this kind of rule of like 10-5. So I would say that, you know, eye contact with everyone within 10 feet of me and then smile with everyone in five feet of I me. I love that. It's really, really clear. So, you know, again, we're, and understanding kind of what five, what the difference between five and 10 feet is. So you, I can make eye contact with you probably over 15 meters and you'd probably know that yeah. I was looking at you and you can make connection, right? It's really amazing. Don't underestimate it because human beings primarily communicate um, non-verbally, uh, as we both know. So therefore, yeah. you know, and people underestimate the power of listening with the eyes. But you can listen with the eyes. You can you can read so much from a person. Um, and I, again, I sound like some you know co- you know confidence trick here. I'm, I'm I'm genuinely not. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's so true. You know, if you're going to actively listen, actively listen, active being the, the, the key word here, it, it is not just about listening to the individual. It's showing them that you're listening to them. As well. it's, I mean, I was I I, cause I always sort of jump in jump in and say it's kind of aggressively listen. So aggressively listening for me, yeah. you know, leaning into the conversation, nodding, taking notes, yeah. paraphrasing, summarising, uh, using language that my my you know sorry for me to use the expression but my my kind of mark is using so if people use a particular type of parlance a particular word i would definitely um replicate that word because it did then builds you know people talk a lot about mirroring and communication building rapport but for me when i if i if we're if i'm mirroring i'm not only mirroring on the level of body language i'm definitely mirroring around tonality and i'm definitely mirroring around you know my my specific parlance to be honest i actually feel that uh, you know mirroring language and uh, mirroring tonality can be more powerful. Yeah, I 100% agree. So, yeah, so it's definitely smiling and eye contact. There's no substitution in the, in the universe for a warm welcome. So my number two would be yes. a, a warm yes. welcome. Um, my number three is always going to be, you know, what do you need help? You know, an offer of assistance is really, really important. There's usually then a kind of a gap where the person kind of responds to you. The magic for me, and it sounds it's so simple to help, just people don't get it. But the magic for me is then the, the, you know, the kind of the what else question. So I would go, number one, it's really developing eye contact and smiling ability. Number two, it's about that really genuine kind of open body language, warm, kind of a warm welcome. You know, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever. You know, how are you today? A warm welcome and, and a basic offer of assistance. What do you need? Then basically the, you know, what else question or what else do you need from me? Is there anything else you need? My name is, you know, my name is Andrew. Um, if there's anything else you need from me in this situation, let me know. And then then what I would call a fond farewell. 
Um, so a personalized goodbye. So those, those kind of five points, I'll, I'll re-summarize it for you. So again, number one is eye contact and smiling, 10-5. I think that's really important. So generally eye contact at 10 feet, smiling at five feet, and then literally a, a warm welcome, um, an offer of assistance, a, a, a what else question after the interaction, and then basically a final kind of fond uh, farewell um, is really important. So that's kind of recipe number one, uh, major, 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 major on that. The, the second one, again, it's um, again a, a slightly dodgy provenance, so I please um, forgive me, but as a a sort of 15, 16-year-old boy, I, I probably wanted what most 15 or 16-year-old boys wanted to do, uh, which was, you know, sorry for my crudeness here, but talking to ladies. <laughs> I, had this, I had this kind of strong desire um, to want to engage with, with ladies, and I didn't really know how to do it. So a bit, bit of a strange character that I am. I, I kind of bought a book. That book gave me a bit of a recipe. Um, I, little did I know at the time when I was reading that book, that I would just it would lay the kind of foundation for the my ability to connect and build relationships with people. So yeah. in the book, it said there's, 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 there's effectively four steps. If you want to talk to a young lady, there are effectively four four, four stages um, in that conversation. So these are um, aptly named the four what I would call the four E's. So. There are four E's. We, were, we had five before, and now we're down to four. The four E's. So you need to be thinking about what I would call, an, in, the, in, in the book's reference, to what we call an entry question. So an entry yes. question is a, by definition, an entry question is something like, um, tell me, explain to me, describe to me. It's a question that is very, very easy to answer. So any any early uh, any early kind of question um, needs to be really uh, really really easy to answer. Oh, what are you up to today? How was your day? That kind of stuff. Usually followed by aggressive listening. It's also much more useful, and I think this is a a, a tip I kind of added. It's not part of my my four E's, but it's don't underestimate the power of compliments. Mm, very true. I'm quite a present kind of chap, but I'm very observant. So I I tend to and I and I. And I when I when I ever talk about people using the you know the power of compliments, don't underestimate um, the the critical nature of sincerity. You have to be genuine. So if you're gonna if you're gonna give someone a compliment, it has to be very very genuine. So normally, if I wanted to talk to a stranger in a queue or on a bus, I know that I there's a recipe that can make it kind of get me get the you know get the fire started, get the conversation started, and I it's really amazing. So it works like you wouldn't believe. I mean, I have been practicing it, but of, you know 45 50 years now um in all fairness but, but but you know when you do it so you do your you pay your genuine compliment then you immediately follow it up with a um a good solid entry question um or have you maybe even soften the entry question with something like um i hope you don't mind um carl but perhaps you could you know what are you doing here today wow you know so i'm using very softening language body language and then the second E is then listening to what I would call experience. Mm -hmm. I'm using their language. I'm using what, how they're responding. If I'm getting very negative, closed responses to my very open questions, I tell you what, I just disengage immediately. There's no point in flogging a dead horse. Do you know what I mean? I'm just going, I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm pulling out of the engagement. I'm not, I'm not going to go for it. There's no point. But I have to say, it, it, the rate of it is, is higher than 99 out of 100 will, will be very engaged because a they people generally like a compliment because they think a lot about what they're wearing how they look where, where they are yeah of course yeah then you basically ask them a nice simple question that's easy to answer an entry question 
And then you listen aggressively or actively, it's probably a better term, but my, I prefer the word aggressively. So you're, when you're listening, you're nodding, you're leaning into the conversation, you're, you're, you know, you're then mimicking using the same types of language, you're using their words back to, back to them. So that's the, the, the E is the entry, the E is the experience. Very, very small doses of the third E. The third E is what I would call enhance the conversation. Um, if I felt it was appropriate, share just a tiny bit um, about myself in that situation, because don't underestimate people like people like them. So people like people like them. So if, they, yes. if there's a perception that they like you or they're similar to you, then it tends to um, open up. And then, of course, finally, is the finally, which is the what I call my engaging e, my e, my finally, and that's really asking for what I want. If I, of course, start with an engaging question, for example, you know, can I have your phone number? Um, joke, love, haha. Um, if I ask that first question, can I have your phone number? I walked up to a, a sorry to use that kind of language, but you know, a lady in a bar, can I have your phone number? I'm not going to get a yes. I'm going to get a pretty much closed down. But if you ask that question at the end of a, you know, you do some, comp you pay a small compliment, you do an entry question, you listen to the experience, you get the conversation going, you throw in a tiny bit about yourself, but, you know, don't hijack the conversation about you, T tiny bit about yourself, and then basically ask for the phone number, the engage question. And it's the same with customer service. So actually, if you just think about it a bit more logically and you follow a recipe, I spend my life teaching people to, uh, to juggle. And Juggling is amazing. I, mean, I love juggling. I've been juggling for, I, you know, I performed at Covent Garden in in London. I was, you know, a street performer for for a few years of my life at the early part of my life. Juggling, unicycle of death, that kind of stuff. And it's it's really interesting because obviously engaging with a crowd and talking to a crowd is is quite fun. But juggling is a very interesting thing because if I, I'm not sure whether you do you, you juggle, Carl. Ever tried to juggle? No, I think I can juggle one orange. One orange. <laughs> <laughs> I love juggling. It's, uh, I, as I said, I've, I've taught tens of thousands of people how to juggle, and it's um, it's great. And then again, I'm going to go back. I'm not like a scratch record, but it's a it's a um, it's a recipe. Right? So you're following a when I'm you know when I'm juggling, I follow a recipe. The interesting thing yes. about juggling is that the way that most people's minds are set up is that they are we all learn through experiences, and those experiences kind of etch into our minds. I'm being very very literal here, so you know, so please you know forgive me, but they they kind of like. Um, they, they leave a kind of like a, a, a scar. Um, so as you, as you have an experience, that kind of lays down some like type of a scar. And then, of course, once that scar has been formed, that kind of groove has been formed, you tend to jump back to that behavior. So most people, of course, have a particular preference about how they do something. And that then feeds into all this kind of stuff around change. But the interesting thing about juggling for me is that when you are, when you try and learn to juggle at the beginning, of course, when you watch someone like me juggling you go oh my gosh it looks really easy and then you try and have a go yourself and of course then you find it's really well you perceive it to be almost impossible mm. to do it and then finally if you stick to it because most people if you honestly if you once you had the recipe of juggling because juggling is like most things in life an illusion once you had the recipe of juggling and you understood the process of it and then if you just practice for one minute a day for a couple of days you'd be a juggler i love where you're going with this and and essentially what you're saying is um and it doesn't matter what the skill set is but let's take, take it in the context of what we're talking about right now relationship building when you see somebody else who's really really good at talking to people really good at connecting to people you think that this is a, a skill beyond your own measure 
But what you're saying is actually it's an illusion because what they've done is practice. They're following a recipe that works now uh, because they've been practicing dedicately, dedicately, uh, dedicationally. Is that what? I'm, I'm not even sure what the word is. I, I, can, I can take that word. I can understand. The word, <laughs> it doesn't even roll off my tongue. It doesn't feel right. But <laughs> because they're so dedicated about what they've been doing, learning this recipe, learning this craft, they make it look easy eventually. Uh, so, so a new starter looking at them would say, wow, I can't do that. But what you're saying is, well, of course you can. You just learn the recipe, you commit to it, you're dedicated to it, to learning the art, and eventually you'll get good at it without even realizing. So the actual program is called, is actually, you've, you've kind of, um, you kind of got ahead of me there. So it's, it's actually mastering the art of service. So mastery of something. So we talk about mastering the art of service and it's mastering the art of communication. That's, there's a very interesting word because it, it is about mastery and mastery comes from, from practicing something. And I think service also is a service and art. You know, I have a, we have a recipe for, um, for handling a, a you know, a, a complaint a, you know a uh, conflict i have a recipe for conflict um so it's, it's kind of it's kind of strange so again if you watch me dealing with conflict in a you know complaint situation you would go oh he's just following a recipe yeah if you knew what the recipe was if you didn't know what the recipe was you'd go wow that guy's a genius how's he how's he basically taught that customer back a bit like your stage magicians isn't it exactly it's all tricks it's all illusion but actually as an onlooker you think wow how, how did that happen it's literally magic so I, I love what you're doing there uh with staff in terms of how they build those relationships build that trust and it is all about that for me uh how they build that trust with customers um and I'm, re- you know, I almost feel like I want to jump on a plane now. Obviously, it have to be an Etihad plane to go to the UAE to come and, come and visit Etihad and see what it what it is that you're doing around the culture. Because if that's what you're doing with your frontline staff, uh, talking to clients and customers, what would the culture look like? And what is it that you're doing with the culture now to to create an organization? It's a huge organization, but an organization that's full of trust confidence and relationship building what could you just share with us very briefly what, what sort of stuff you're doing over in etihad there well there's there's four things i think it's really really important first of all it's about um clarity so my my job like everyone else in etihad my job is to bring the world to abu dhabi number one so that gives clarity of purpose and perhaps we can touch on that a little bit in a little in two minutes down the road here so i think giving people as much clarity and alignment and, and helping them understand what we're trying to do is it's absolutely fundamental. That's, that's, the, that's the first thing. The second thing is if you create that clarity and you create that direction, you, you understand, you point to north and you help people understand um, where north might be, actually, then it's much easier to give them feedback. One of the biggest challenges I think we all have in life is that we are – we. <laughs> We get frustrated with we get frustrated with other human beings, and we're not comfortable giving them feedback. And one of the challenges, reasons we're not comfortable giving people feedback, is in my mind that we're we're worried about an emotional response to the feedback. We're worried that someone's going to cry or be upset or get angry with us, or um, maybe something even worse than that. So we so therefore we kind of back away from it. Yes, my experience of, of my experience of giving feedback to people and and definitely receiving feedback. Is, is, a, is a couple of things. If I have a lot more clarity, if, if before the feedback is given to me, I was 
clearly ex- explained to me what I was supposed to be doing. Um, of course, when I'm not doing it, then it's much easier for me to accept it. The big challenge with feedback is that most people aren't really clear what they're supposed to be doing. And therefore, when you give them feedback, they go, well, no one ever told me that. You know, why didn't someone sit down and tell me that? So I think the, the clarity and the feedback are really, really important. On a personal level, probably one of the best tips I could ever share with you, Carl, is, you know, if people are giving me feedback. I just think about one thing, you know, is that a perception that I want that person to have? Because because for me, that's that's a simple choice. Do I want that person to think that about me? Do I do I you know, is that a perception I want them to have? If it is fine, crack on. I don't need to do anything about it. But in most cases, I think well, probably I don't want them to have that perception. So how will I sort of shift that? How will I change that perception? We all see the world through our own lenses. So therefore, I think we need to really kind of like be aware of that. But definitely responding in an emotional way to feedback is a is a very bad game, primarily because as soon as you respond in a negative way or in an emotional way to feedback, of course, you just close down that that massive gift. And I would say one of the I don't know whether I'm successful or not, but one of the things that has probably made me more successful in my career is being open to feedback and actually not responding in an emotional way. To it. I think that's really important. So, so definitely number one. Um, helping leaders be better with communication and, and impact and clarity around how they're communicating. Number two, definitely working on their ability to give really candid, um, you know, feedback to team members. And and also we have a bigger thing called shukran, and that's just saying thank you to people. So that, that's really number three is it's back to my, my you know my comment earlier. My job is to bring the world to Abu Dhabi, like everyone else in in Etihad, and. That for me is really important. So we talk a lot about what I would call input versus output. So that's my, as an employee, do I understand the contribution that I am making to the um, to the greater good of, of, of our goal, which is, of course, bringing the world to Abu Dhabi. So do I understand how I'm contributing to that? And that's my, you know, that's the NASA story, which we've all heard a million times. Uh, but that's the cleaner, you know, explaining to Kennedy yeah. that his job is to, you know, send a man to the moon and return him safely to Earth. He, because he, he felt responsible for that. So therefore he's working, he's giving that discretionary effort um, and making, he feels part of that massive multi-trillion dollar mission. If my, if the team member understands, if, if I understand the role I'm playing within the organization, it drives my responsibility, which is my, my, you know, I, I understand how I play on the team and the position I'm playing in the team and the importance of that particular position, be it under the wing, above the wing, cabin crew, flight deck, patrol, you know, dispatch, whatever it might be. So I think that's 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 really, really important. And then the fourth thing is just that sense of learning and growing with us. So the more that you can give accessibility to that and you can give people options, I tend to be really opposed to making people do things. I, I I just don't think it works. I think it's a waste of dollar. So when people are talking to me, I said, we, you know, we want to try and people obviously ultimately need to make a choice. So they want to take a journey. So that choice is driven by accessibility, making it easy to get access to learning and growing and talking about why it's important to learn and grow. So we tend to avoid the areas of like, you know, you must do this car or else so I'm going to punish you um, because people need to make up their own mind. So long way of answering that question, but, but four things, nice and simple. Clarity, number one, what are we what are we asking our people to do? Number two, um, are we brave enough, courageous enough to give people feedback? So that's number two. Number three, do we can we help our team members understand the role they play within the organization? And in our case, bringing the world to Abu Dhabi, you know, in the cleaning of NASA's place, in you know, sending a man to the moon, 
and returning them to earth. And then finally, um, are we able as leaders to be able to help people kind of take and grow and give them the responsibility and the opportunity to grow with them? Nice and simple, very clear strategy. Hits all the elements uh, that uh, I would expect from an organisation that is devoted and committed to this. Um, and, uh, you know, it certainly has some resonance with uh, our new programme, the Human Centred Leadership Programme, uh, that we're taking out to organisations. Uh, I'm glad to see that uh, there is an organisation out there that is really, really committed and, uh, and no doubt led by yourself, uh, Andrew, for all the great work that you do. Thank you so much for spending time with us. I've really, really enjoyed it. And thanks for sharing your wisdom. Yeah, and anything you need from me ever, Carl, or anyone who's ever listening to this, just reach out and ask. I'm genuinely, I want to help people. So uh, please feel free to, to call. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please do subscribe and click on notifications for new content. And of course, connect with me on LinkedIn. Take care. Have a great day.